Oh, Namdi. Okay, yeah. Namdi. Yeah, I got you. Okay, yeah. Namdi. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 an honor to to have you um, on our on our show. We've um, you know followed your career from from way back, but um, but seeing you recently on social media and Instagram and seeing your performances has just been um, a, a, in a time of hardship, especially during lockdown. It's been really um, inspiring. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, we don't get to see you here in the UK or, or around Europe. So it, this kind of interview does help those of us who can't get to see you perform just feel a little bit connected and stuff. Um, but I have an international audience. I always used to say to my guests, you know, it'd be good just to get a sense of where you have sort of born and raised so that uh, the international audience can sort of sort of learn from that. And we just build from there. Sure, sure. I um, I love the UK, first of all. Okay. And I really, this, this pandemic thing is really, I've had so many plans to come there, so many wow. plans, and they got canceled because of the pandemic. So I'm, I'm just really hurt because of that because I really want to get out there. But wow. I'm praying, hoping it'll happen soon. So yeah. All my fans in the UK, I love you in a mission. I can't wait to see you. Yeah, I mean, as but also around Europe because, as I said, we've got a lot of European fans that 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 watch and stuff, and you know, from France and yeah. Germany and 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 Amsterdam, Holland. France, Germany, that's right. Europe, period. Yeah, yeah, the great Europe. Europe. <laughs> yeah. That's what we call. That's what we call it out here now. The Great Europe. <laughs> the Great Europe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah. You, so you, you it'd be good to let's. So where where were you born and raised? Okay, I was born in Detroit, Michigan, and we spent a lot of time in Detroit before I moved. Well, at the age of nine, I moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. So between Grand Rapids and Detroit, we were always back and forth. Detroit was rough, man. It was rough. It was just rough. And um, so Mama said she thought we would go to school in Grand Rapids and just be in Detroit during the summers. So wow. my life was back and forth between Detroit and Grand Rapids. All the way up until the age of seventeen, and 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 during that time, because I I remember interviewing um, Donnie Simpson two weeks ago, and he spoke about growing up in Detroit and and Motown, you know, being being you know just watching out for the Cadillacs and stuff. But as a kid, did you also mm -hmm. was that also on your radar? Just the fact that Metroid, Detroit, Motown was in your neighborhood. That made uh, that made things a lot better. Uh, and a lot more tolerable because of Motown. Music was always great in Detroit. It just had a vibe about it. You could just feel the energy. Uh, by the time I was nine, Motown had, they, they, yeah, they had moved from Detroit to out west. Oh, LA, California. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't catch the uh, initial term of the, of the Motown days. Not in Detroit, that is. Yeah. By the time I by the time I discovered Motown, they were in California. Who who were you inspired by as a kid, musically then? As a kid, I was inspired by, see, I have gospel roots that, okay. that run deep. I was inspired by Andre Krause, gospel singer, the Hawkins yeah. family, that's gospel, of course. Wow. Um, and then, of course, um, Ronald Ivy Brothers, Marvin Gaye, um, Sly Stone, George Clinton, you know, uh, it's it's very diverse. <laughs> yeah, it goes from smooth. 
and 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 during that time then because you know it you know it's funny we always look at you, the the barge family and and the jacksons what was your thoughts about say the jackson five and michael um because there, there's some similarities i remember saying um to uh my sister bunny was like but that, that that kid sounds good she says kid he's older than you <laughs> and i was like about 10 years old somewhere around there so that kid sounds good because he always had this uh this quality in his voice um, that made him just sound like, you know, a small kid, especially back in those days in the 70s. And uh, my sister said to me again, she said, well, have you heard your voice lately? <laughs> <laughs> my brother used to always tease me. They called me, uh, they had a, a girl's name that, you know, our family is, we tease each other all the time. Yeah, oh, it was Kathy. They called me Kathy all my life because I always had, you know, a real tiny voice all my <laughs> life. You know, this is like the most. This is the lowest my voice will get right here in, in pitch. So imagine when I was a kid and I was like, hey, said, oh, how you doing, Kathy? Oh, oh my goodness. When I call him school, Kathy's home, Kathy's home. <laughs> oh, Lord. So family, we wow. But just then, I mean, with, with, with all that, you know, fun and stuff, did you, because you mentioned roots when in, sort of in, in, in gospel, um, did you ever dream about actually becoming a recording artist or was it more like, okay, maybe just playing in church and, and getting a nine to five? Um, I didn't see a nine to five in my future, but uh, I didn't really think about it. All I thought was music, not knowing um, the breakdown and, and build up of it, how it would play out. Um, all I did was just think about writing songs and that's all I did. I just wrote songs and sang, wrote songs and sang. Uh, my brother Bobby, my sister Bunny, and my mother, and my Uncle James, this was my four musical uh, teachers in, within my family. So Bobby, my sister Bunny, my mother, and her brother, my Uncle James. And between them, they kept us singing, because they all wrote songs, too, mm. and writing songs. That was it. we come home from school. That's what we were into, writing songs and singing. If any of us wrote a song, we would practice it on each other. You know, Marty, hit this note. James, try this note. So we were like a really, really close musical family unit. And that was, there was not anything else that I thought about other than just going to school, going to church and doing music. So recording professionally was, you know, it was a given. Uh, my brother Bobby, he did it with Switch, with the group Switch. And um, because he made that step first, he was able to bring us in because we didn't have a clue on how to, how to, how to do that, you know, what it entailed or anything, so. Yeah, See, you, you talk about writing songs and I, and I wonder, did it come easy? Because that, that, was it more of a gift or did it, was it more like you had to learn how to write? You can learn how to write and that's only because there's been so many songs written already in this world that people have managed to, to study it and uh, copy it. And, and they figured out that there's a certain format, but from, from the bottom up, from, from starting from the ground up, um, I would say, well, definitely we didn't know. We didn't know anything about a formula. We just went off of what we were feeling and what was, so it was, it was a gift for us. I remember having so many different parts in my uh, songs. You know, I'd have like, 
eight or nine verses. <laughs> you know, <laughs> different, five, six different hooks and choruses. And um, my brother Bobby said, no, 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 no. He said, you got about 50 psalms in one song. <laughs> so, so he taught me how to structure it. And he said, that's a verse, that's a hook. You know, that's the chorus, that's, that's the background parts. Um, but I'm like, I'm wondering, like, where did he get it from? Who, who taught him that? And uh, I dare say that my brother Bobby, rest in peace, he probably has more talent in his one finger mm. than all of us put together. And wow. he just, everything he got, it was just natural for him, you know. I, I, I ran a poll. Sorry, no, I was going to say, I ran a poll last year on, on the channel to say who was the best um, falsetto. And I put yourself, Philip Bailey. Um, um, I, I, I put I put some others, and everyone says, "Oh, you forgot Bobby. You should have put Bobby." And and so I and I and I had to be honest. I had I had I didn't know about Bobby, and so then I you know and and but everyone was saying no, that you know they recognize his falsetto compared to say Philip Bailey, even yourself, and I, which was a surprise, and um, because you know, switch, we didn't hear as much from them late, late, later on, but I, and I read it somewhere that you said that you were sort of, you tried to sing like him, that's how much you inspired by him, that you wanted to sing like him, or was it naturally how your voice was? Yeah, because um, he, he has a high pitch voice and he also is like a first tenor, you know, uh, so I had the same range as he had. Uh, same uh, octave range as he had. So um, naturally, I cleaved to that because that, that's I could identify with him. Yeah. And he saw he saw it first, so he he nurtured it. He he kept me on his wing, and I think he, you know, I, I know Bobby saw a lot of himself in me. Um, I could tell by the way he um, he schooled me at least tutored me, you know, it was like I was under his tutelage. And, um, but clearly, there's <laughs> one day uh, I was trying to, to sing just like him and he didn't like that. He was very upset with me. I remember he was, he let me finish the song and uh, then he looked at me and he said, I didn't, I didn't ask you to copy. Now he said, I want you to be yourself. I don't need you copying off me. Or anybody else. And I remember I was so crushed because I didn't understand what he was doing at the time, but it was good. I know now it was good, but I was crushed. I mean, everything I was like, I wanted to cry. And I felt like I let him down. I felt like I felt like nothing. And then he noticed that too. So um I remember him taking my head and lifting it up like this. And he said, he said, just do it again. And I was playing the piano, I was singing, and I started crying. It started I couldn't help it. I just started crying. He said, now that's what I'm talking about. He said, now you're being yourself. He said, use that emotion. That's what you feel. Give me that. Wow. And I, I had it from there. Wow. Yeah. You, you know, I, I saw mm -hmm. your, your performance at um, is it the, the, the uh, Family Christian Center in 2017. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, with me and my mom, was it? Uh, oh, no, no. wait. It was just you. Seventeen. That was uh, that was in the Midwest area. Yeah, yeah. And um, you were singing um, "All This Love," and all it this love, yeah. it felt like 
you were sitting, you were standing before God and, and just singing yeah. to him. It, 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 it never witnessed a performance with that felt so real because then you, 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 you changed the words slightly to make it about yourself. And it, it was very emotional. In fact, when I rebroadcasted, some of the people who were at the church said we were there and it was the most awesome experience. Um, and I, and I, and cause you just told that, that amazing story about you, about what Bobby was saying. And, and, and it was probably evidence in how you were singing. It, it didn't seem like you were copying. It just felt like you were just standing before God and speaking to him. And we were just watching you have a private conversation. Um, and that's, that's wow. not easy to do. Amazing that you said that because I, uh, I felt that way. I remember, I remember that show. I felt that way. Well, not show, but mm -hmm. I remember what you're talking about. And um, I'm close to God like that. I'm close to music like that. I'm very close to my songs as if they were my children. Uh, you know, I, I say this, I haven't said it in a while, but I believe that music is the voice of God. It's, it's a universal language known to all mankind. No matter what language you speak, we understand each other right there in music. Yeah. As a Christian, I know one of the things that always inspired me was when David was playing his harp, harp, and um, <laughs> Saul was delivered from his evil spirits. And, and I remember God telling me one yeah. day that, look, this is what I created music. That you know, you, you know, you, people go to church and get healing and stuff, but the, there was a power in music where, as you sing, people were supposed to find their healing and restoration. But a lot of us mm -hmm. kind of forget that and. And I do wonder if that was everything that you ever want to get to where you're singing. It doesn't matter what you're singing, but the spirit behind what you're singing would touch people. Yes. Yes. I, uh, I, I believe what you're saying wholeheartedly. I know it's a fact. You know, music, everything on the radio is not music. You know, you can write a song, but that doesn't make it music. You know, just all it takes is melodies and notes. To come together to write a song but for it to really be music that's another that's another thing that's when you that's when you're in in, in in the presence of god that's when you're hearing from god even if it's not a song that's directly saying god i worship you god i praise you yeah, yeah. you know those are worship those are worship songs but even a song about love yeah god is love he created love yeah. and he wants a man and a woman to share love together and then he wants mankind to fellowship and have love one for another you know and so um music would do that too but it would have to be music you know not yeah. just i don't want to call it garbage but it's a <laughs> lot of garbage <laughs> yeah no, no, no. but did you learn it was early on then because of your you know which you mentioned about your uncle who was a pastor i believe and um did did you mm. and your mom um did you then learn about worship from that very end and, yeah. and when you were writing your songs was it sort of a, sort of your own worship tribute to god but even though it could be trans you know we could all see different meanings to it when i wrote my songs in the beginning of my songwriting days it was it was purely about god that's my first experience writing songs 
to God and about God. And then when I begin to write love songs, they were always on point. I noticed it was, what I mean by on point, it was, it came from my heart and it came from a conviction of me seeing what was going on around me. Like Time of Reveal, I was inspired to write that. I was 15 years old when I wrote Time of Reveal. And um, in fact, I just came from church and uh, and I seen um, some people in the park, park, and I seen the people in the park and they were just, it was a couple. And uh, I, I, it's amazing that I even saw this, but it was a couple. They were talking to each other, and what was going on was he didn't believe him. It was like he was trying his best to uh, convince her to, uh, that he was for real. And uh, like I said, it was amazing that I even heard this. I'm like 15 years old. Why am I doing running into this situation? But I heard, I heard the whole conversation, and, it's, and it, it, it pricked me. It pricked my heart. And when I went home, I just, I wrote about it. It's like, I wanted to tell his story. Wow. For some reason, is I wanted to, I knew where he was coming from. And so I just said, what can I do to make you feel secure? And the words just started coming to me. Wow. It was, it was, it was truly gone. It just started flowing, the words and the chords. And I remember crying while I was playing it. You know, and uh, I wasn't sad or anything, but it just, I just couldn't help it. I was crying. And, um. So I put the song to the side. I thought it was corny after a while. After a while I, said it's, I said, well, I don't know what I wrote that for, but I got it out of my system. <laughs> so I was never going to record it. Never. So, but my Chico, my brother Chico, he's the one that convinced me to record it. I'm, I'm glad he did. Wow. I, I, I saw the Black, Black Streets on the big Another Level album, did a version um, that I know the Lord. They call it "Time Will Be." I know the Lord is real. I don't know if you heard of their version. I know the Lord is real. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And, uh, and you know, great yeah, uh, and that's when I was like, "Oh, this is, they're, they're singing the gospel song," but no, without realizing mm-hmm. the the origin of it. Because you know what, it stands to reason from what I just told you. I mean, look at it. Isn't that amazing? God is amazing, isn't he? Because he was the one that inspired it in the first place. God was. He inspired me to to see that couple in the park, and then feel what was going on, you know. And I've been writing songs like that really all my life, um, just from from wanting to to tell people's stories. And I've I've never had a time of reveal experience. I've never had an all this love experience. Uh, love me in a special way. Stay with me. Um, so I wasn't writing it from my own experiences. I was writing it just from God just giving me these words because the world needed this type of healing. Somebody mm. needed to hear it. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of times in the church world, we we think that we we, we can't get past the church to to heal anything else. Yeah. You know, you know, we can't get past if we all we talk about is is God as if nothing else is going on in this world. Yeah. As if there's nobody hurting out there, as if there's nobody that has a different issue. Yeah, and that's why we can't seem to reach yeah. who we really need to reach. Yeah, we have to learn how to step, uh, branch out from that. I was not never step outside of God, but yeah. branch out from that. Yeah, from that being your foundation. Yeah. You know, God is my foundation still to this day. God is my foundation. 
and I branch out from that love, you know, wanting to heal people, wanting to help people, and it and it helps to heal me. But that's David. You know, David was, if he thought, if he was in this generation, we would have thought he was radical. You know, why are you singing to those people? But that's who he always. I mean, he wrote those psalms. You know, he was watch laying down watching sheep and thinking, oh, that's that's the Lord is my shepherd, just like a, I am to to them. And he, you know, but that's not how they were worshiping back then. He was just being real, talking about day to day stuff. And and I think when I and I see you as that type of a songwriter, psalmist, as we would call it. Um, wow. But, and I guess sometimes the church would say, well, now, you know, he's, you know, he's singing to the world, but it's, but that's the world that we're supposed to reach. But God wants to save the world. That's why he sent his only begotten son to save the world, not to save the righteous. Uh, yeah, David, David was amazing, wasn't he? he um, what about the, Song of Solomon, the Book of Solomon. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they, you, I read some things in there, and Solomon was getting his—he's getting his Mac on. He was, yeah, 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 he, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was rapping. He was, he was rapping to his his little foxy lady. Yeah, 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 yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, you know but, what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, yeah. Songs of songs. Yeah, songs. Yeah, those. Yeah, his love songs. Yeah, the. Uh, yeah, he. Yeah, he. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he, he, he was describing the, be the beautiful anatomy beautiful, yeah. of a woman, which God made so beautifully. And he looked yeah. upon it and he was amazed. And, and he just started saying, wow, he's telling her how beautiful her body was. Yeah. But it was, it was in the content and ramification of, of, you know, between a man and his, and his, and his significant other, you know, yeah. not just every woman in the world. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, a, it wasn't about lust, you know, no. it, was, it was about adoration of, of God's beautiful creation, our, our queens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely a queen. Yeah, I, I guess just wondering then, with with the gift that you have and had, you have, what, how, joining Motown did did they, did they nurture it or did they think no, we need to commercialize it and and strip down stuff? Or what was your experience taking your gift into the mo the mega black label? Of, of, of the decade? At first, it was very healthy relationship between Motown and DeBarge because Barry Gordy, he said, leave him alone. He told Motown, leave him alone. Don't try to change him. Um, it was really, I really have to credit Stevie Wonder for a lot of that. Stevie because, Wonder. Uh, I remember, yeah, because Stevie came into one of our meetings that we were having. Okay, it's like this. When Dubar signed with Motown, we had a lot of meetings trying to figure out which direction we were going in, whether we were going to do this or that. So Stevie uh, photobombed one of the <laughs> photobombed. He, <laughs> he, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, oh, I think the sound just went off. Uh, no, not yet. No, no. I think the sound just went. It, um, the sound just went off. Um, oh. Okay, is that better? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry about that. No. Okay, so let me let me do something to make sure that doesn't happen again. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I can't. I can't. I can't seem to. Okay, if it happens again, I'll know how to fix it. Really, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. So okay, so I was saying, so we were at at Motown in a meeting, 
And Stevie Wonder just came in the meeting out of nowhere. And, uh, and he told Mr. Gordy, he said, um, I just want to tell you, I heard some of their demo because we would just sign with them. And everybody in Motown was like, did you hear about these new kids, these new family groups that Barry Gordy said? So Stevie had heard our demo. And he said, he said, I'm telling you right now, he said, leave them alone. Let them do what they want to do. He said, this is a very unique family. He said, and if you try to change them, he said, you're going to stifle them. And I didn't know what he was talking about at the time. Because I didn't <laughs> know the word stifle me. You know, and, um, but plus I was caught up in the fact, like, is that Stevie Wonder? <laughs> <laughs> like, my, my dreamer, is that Stevie Wonder? <laughs> yeah, and uh, he, he said what he had to say, and he walked out. And Mr. Gordy agreed with him. So we had no problem with just being able to create the way we wanted to create and try changes. Then my first solo album, you notice I didn't write not one song on my first solo album, not one. And that was not my idea. Things started changing at Motown. I don't know what happened. And uh, they just wouldn't let me write. And um, I had I had hits under my belt. I mean, we was coming off of all this love being the number one, time reveal being the number one, loving especially. They we we were booming, but they just didn't want me to write for my first solo album. So they, they had somebody else write for it. Did nothing. They went. <laughs> but I, and it sort of closed me up because um, it hurt me. You know, it felt like I felt like they didn't believe in me anymore or something. That's what it did to me. And um, so I started losing my confidence. And uh, I just, yeah, I started losing my confidence because I realized that Motown had become my, my, uh, you said my, they had become the measuring stick that constituted my self-worth. Mm -hmm. So if they didn't want me to write, I felt like I must not be nothing. Mm -hmm. So, I had to change that. That's when God showed me. He said, I don't want you looking at man anyway. Look to me. I'm your source. And the reason why you took such a heavy blow because of that, because your eyes were not on me anymore. So, so I say for that much out of it, I mean, that I got that out of it, that was good. But I still don't understand to this day why they didn't want me to write yeah, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, and and during those days, I can't imagine what it's like when you have um, the gift, you know, that gift just to be able to, and especially when you look look back at what Bobby told you, like, don't be like me, be be yourself, and so naturally you expect your own words to come out of your mouth, and 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 the believability that we as audience and fans would be able to see there seems to be a difference yeah. when somebody else is writing for you. Um, and and at that time, you're not able to question. I don't know the, how industry, the music labels work, but you can't say, no, 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 I'm, here's my eight songs and, 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 and have a, put up a fight. It's it just take it or leave it. Is that, was that how it, you... it, it, it all Everything is structured in the contract. Wow. And our contract was structured as so that we, Motown really owned us collectively and individually. So if they, wanted, if they wanted me to be solo, there was nothing I could do about it. They just 
you know, if I fought against it, uh, it was a breach of contract and I could get sued. And, wow. Because they owned us. And we were so green and naive, we didn't really know or understand what, what we were signing, you know. Uh, it just is what it is. Um, they, uh, they were able to tell me and dictate for me what I was going to write and what I wasn't going to write. We hear this so much with um, all the, the artists I've interviewed from the 90s. It, it was happening a lot then, not realizing that it started even way before that. Um, how did you then get, did you get an opportunity to write, but then have somebody else sing your words in the midst of this? Or did you just stop writing? Um, you mean when that happened? Yeah, when that was going no, on, were no, you able to? Yeah, were you able to then say, okay, let me give other people my songs, um, and let me, or did you? Um, no, like I said, Motown had full control. Um, my songs, they had uh, authority over it. Uh, my songs weren't going outside of the Motown building unless they wanted to. Wow. I know that, um, I mean, I, th I guess during those times, I mean, as I said, lots of people had to learn a, a lot. Um, I do remember then when you, um, you, 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 you came out with um, um, Heart and Soul, and, and I remember it, I was so excited about the album because you had Babyface who was um, on, on the... But then did you think the industry, what had changed when, when Heart and Soul came out, when, when you were um, trying to deliver the songs? Did, what did you think about how the album and, and, and its reception? Well, the album and its reception, it wasn't, we, we made a mistake, clearly. Motown, I mean, um, Reprise? Warner Brothers. Reprise. Warner Brothers, Warner yeah, Reprise, Reprise, yeah, yeah. We made, we, we made an error um, with the marketing scheme and and when we targeted our promotion at. And by the time uh, we figured it out, the album had lost momentum. Mm -hmm. Our timing was off. And so, you know how companies think uh, productivity and, you know, yeah, you know yeah. it was just margin and so it was just time. The only, thing, the only thing they could think was, all right, give us the next album. <laughs> I said, well, what about this one? Just whatever, give us the next one. But now the fans, thank God for the fans. Mm. Because when, 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 when people love something, you know, the fans, they're not, they're not signed to any record company. They're, they're free. Yeah. You're not going to change. You're not going to box them into anything. Mm. Because... They, they are the ones, and fans, I love you, by the way. <laughs> and God, and then, because they, the fans have, have really kept my spirit alive, kept me encouraged. Because when you look at them, and they, they show you what they like. They show you what they want. And you say, hey, well, why do you like that? Why don't you like it? <laughs> because... <laughs> Because this, that, that, and the other one, the fans say, well, I'm not bothered with all that. I like what I like, and that's it. <laughs> you feel me? Yeah. And then, so you begin to you begin to remember the days that you were like that, and that you were free to think like you want to think. And 
that's why I said thank God for the fans because they're a reflection of of what's real, you know, and and uh, where you should be at. Um, now, along with success comes a great responsibility, um, and I understand that. But part of that responsibility is is a responsibility to yourself, to being you and not forgetting who you are. And I don't mean like don't forget where you came from, don't get the big head. Skip that. I'm talking about forgetting who you are, remembering who you are. Always keep a great sense of yourself and what you like. And um, that's so easy to lose, man. That's so easy to lose. Don't underestimate the uh, um, the, 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 the vast thrust of how that can come in on you so quickly in the interim of everything. But if you if you do lose that, everyone else seems to see it before you do. <laughs> mm. And uh, because we don't want to see it because of our egos. We don't want to face it. You know, I wrote a song called Mr. Has Been. Will you ever be the same again? Mr. Has Been. And um, it was about because I started seeing people, egos getting away and they couldn't understand why they weren't. Because your ego won't let you see it. Your ego will make you tell yourself a lie. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And um, so I guess what I'm saying in essence is um, the fans, keeping my eye on them, showed me they do like Heart, Mind, and Soul. They do like certain songs on the Heart, Mind, and Soul album. Um, so I took my point of view away from the industry, the record company, or the record company. Because I noticed also that people in the industry love heart, mind, and soul. So it's it's not the industry or the or the fans, but I, you know what? I think fans are a part of the industry. So I, it's not the industry, fan part of it, or the celebrity part of it. But it was more so the the companies, you know, and things like that. Uh, they need to learn how to think correctly because heart, mind, and soul. Is um, I re I rethought that whole thing, I revisited it, and um, it's a good album. Yeah, I remember where I was. I remember where I was at. Now I, I I remember where Babyface was at, where we both were at, and, it, and we were we were we were in the right place. We were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I bought it. I have I have I have the album. Um, well, I've really, I I used to live in the states, and I and I bought it when it came out, and I was excited by it. Um. But as I said, we studied how the industry was shifting. It was a lot more image-led. Yeah, the, the Motown, Motown was being sold to MCA. Uh, Hip-hop came in really hard. Really yeah. thrust. I mean, boom, 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 came in, didn't it? Yeah, the West and, Coast, um, yeah. So, yeah, and then you had the uh, the age group, you know, it was it was shifting. You know, the, the new kids were coming in, the new the, the new teenagers. And, and um, man, you know... What comes from the heart reaches the heart. Because I, I survived all of that. Mm. Because I stay true to my heart, I believe I believe it's what it is. You know. And people, everybody has a heart, everybody has feelings. Mm. And you know, I tell some my celebrity friends is peers, and I say all the time, don't underestimate your fans, man. They know them a lot more than you, you know, you you think they're stupid, but they're not. <laughs> <laughs> don't underestimate them, they can teach you something. You know, they can they can help you remember 
who you are instead of who you think you are. Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. I, I think during that time, did you, you, I, I noticed, because uh, DJ kind of West Coast hip hop was, was becoming very prominent and DJ Quick was very prominent. But I noticed that you were mm. almost aligned to him. And, I was, I was, and it seemed a strange combination because, um, especially mm-hmm. if you're coming from Motown, there's always that sense of elegance and class, but it's like, oh, how how did that sort of connection, you know, <laughs> Eldervoy to DJ Quick? DJ Quick, DJ Quick, um, now he's a genius. If there ever was a genius, he's one. Um, and, I mean, it's just, it's just a fact. Uh, if you, those of us who've been in the studio with him, we've seen it with our own eyes. Um, he's, he's phenomenal. Uh, there's so much more to him. If there was anybody that could do an LD Barge, DJ Quick with Rap Artist collaboration, <laughs> because, you know, like you said, like you said LD Barge, DJ Quick, yeah. oh, there's two different, two events. <laughs> if there was anybody that could bring it together, it would be DJ Quick, because I'm saying that because I, I've seen his genius. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he could do it. He, it. It would take somebody like him to do it. He has the capacity within him to, to know how to do that. He's just a real person, or like they say, a real nigga, you know. <laughs> just a real person, you know? Oh, man, I have nothing but, I mean, I, good things to say about him. He just, he, he came and got me at a time that I was just down. And, you know, I, I told you my story when I lost my confidence because mm-hmm. Motown was there, my writing thing and all the other stuff that was going on. And um, I, when I met DJ Quick, we were at a concert together at Hollywood. With the House of Blues, mm-hmm. and I was just there, you know, trying to find my mojo. You know what I mean? And he was there, and uh, and I saw him. And I, said, I went up to him. I said, "Hey, man, how you doing?" I said, "Nice to meet you." He said, "I said I'm LD Barge," and he looked at me. He said, "I know who you is, nigga." <laughs> <laughs> so he said, uh, "He says, what you doing later on, man?" I said, "Nothing." He said, "Why don't you come to my house with me, man? I got a studio at my house." Yeah, that's right. I went there. The man at his house, and I went straight to the microphone, and something just. Hey, you back? You there? Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something just came over us, DJ Quick and I, and it just, you know, the vibe came in the room, and we just started writing and singing. We didn't stop, man, until the sun came up. Wow. And we're still going. And we've got we've got songs that we haven't even released just from that night. Wow. Alone. Just from that night alone. And it, he he helped me out up here and in here. And uh he nurtured my my spirit, man. Wow. Uh, Mind me who who I was, you know. And uh I I owe a lot of homage to him for that, man. Because you know, he believed in me and he, he Help me believe in myself again. And then gave me a hit record. <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? He put me out there and I was back on again. <laughs> yeah. He plays, get the paper when the game is back. You know what I mean? Just a great guy and a great producer and a great musician and a great rapper. Yeah, and you know, and, and that's that's you know the powerful thing you've been saying so much, especially when we go back to your roots and your relationship with God. And, and and how easy it is to 
look judge your success with how the world or, or industry and everyone else has seen it and 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 not how God has seen seen you and and and, and realizing that when you're ready bringing people in to remind you of who you are and stuff and you know you know that yeah, that, yeah. It, because yeah thank you, you God you <laughs> did it you did it he knows the right people to place in your path he does that he 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 specializes in things that seem impossible God does because we mentioned uh, it it doesn't seem like a fit DJ Quick and, and Elder Marge but then you, you, you but then it's not always who we expect you know you would assume Stevie Wonder calls you up and says, come on, let's write a song of people of that. But he you know, brings somebody right. and says, how are you going to respond when, when, when they do come around and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. You know, for the longest yeah. time, I actually thought that, um, that you, were, you were Latino because your name was <laughs> L. And then I was a big Chico fan. Um, I bought his albums. I was a massive fan. But Chico the Bards, you know, he looked Latino. And right, Chico. <laughs> Uh, Puerto Rican, we, we got yeah. we get Puerto Rican a lot. You, you, of course, you've been in New York, of course, right? Now, you have been in New York, right? Yeah, but I've been to you know, but I lived in LA, uh, Redondo Beach, and I lived in, in the Midwest. But yeah, but yeah, yeah but I was gonna say, you have been in New York, I was gonna say, you yeah, no, I've been, yeah, so anyway, yeah. Um, you know, I tell people this all the time New York, LA first, and New York second. I love LA, but yeah. New York is my next joint, and that's my next joint, New York. So, anyway, they have. New Yorkers in New York. They're not Puerto Ricans. They're New Yorkers. New Yorkers. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're serious about that. You know, I'm New Yorkan. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but they're very different. You know, it's a different breed of Puerto Ricans in New York. I love but, them. But did, it, did a lot of people for a long time think you were a Puerto Rican, Latino? And... Yeah, they did. They thought I was Latino, Puerto Rican. Um, which, was, which was cool because when we were younger, it was just half breed. Half breed. <laughs> oh. So the Puerto Rican was, oh, yeah, I'll be that. Thank That's you. Enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, here in the UK, we, we call them um, either half caste or mixed race, but it's almost a, it's not a negative in, in a sense. Um, it was only. Yeah, you know, we, we. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Yeah, no, it was only when I saw you and your mum. Um, doing, um, I think it was Thanksgiving. I was thinking, well, she's black. Mm -hmm. and, and this yeah. was just this Thanksgiving. So all this time, that's I my just, black queen, my mama. I was thinking, that's my black queen. I love her. I thought maybe, I was thinking, why, why is this? And I had to study. She's a black woman. How is she your mom? That's how, <laughs> as I said, I've been a big fan, but never knew. Because as I said, I was a big Chico fan. I'm thinking of Chico, Latino, the Bard. And even the Bard, you know, it's not like Jackson or stuff. So... <laughs> Is there anyone I see you? There's another one. Chico is so Chico is so uniquely talented. He's unique, and he's a winner. He's when he's got his own DeBarge style. It's different yeah. from the Bunny, Randy, L, James, uh, Marty, even Tommy and Bobby. He's even different from the Switch thing. Chico has his own niche, and it works. It yeah. works, and it's like none, nobody in our family is like Chico. He's very unique, man, and it and, it's, and it works. It's it's the it's the business. It's, <laughs> I love his voice. Um, he has his own kind of falsetto, yeah. his own kind of warmth, yeah. and his own kind of gangster. 
<laughs> yeah, I bought, no, I bought his albums, and you know he was very neo soul. Um, so it came out at that, at that time. Mm. Um, I, was, I interviewed Donnell Jones recently. And he was big, good friends with Chico back when they were. I didn't realize he was on La Face before going to yeah. to, to Motown. Yeah. Um, he featured with with Queen Pen on um, um, all the. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's true, and so he, you know, most of us were like, and he he was more. I was going to say more R and B, but he was, you know, especially he he, he yeah, was no, yeah, that nineties in the nineties, he yeah, we, he was ma- you know he was massive and and stuff, and so, you know, but it was good that you he was different that he didn't you know it was good that it it, it felt different and um, you know it, some people are different, but that's all it is they're just different. It doesn't mean it's going to work though, you know. But he had a, he had a difference that was it was it was a good difference. It was. Yes, you know, it, it works. Yeah. Yeah, no, as I said, fan, but as I said, I thought it was Puerto Rican until now I realized you guys, okay, you guys, okay, <laughs> and stuff. But no, I, I, love, I love Puerto Rican. Yeah. yeah, no, no, you know, and, but don't as I said, yeah, no, I spent half my life, a third of my life in the UK, a third in, in Nigeria, then oh, okay. a third in, in the US, and in a way, I've, I've sort of been sort of globalized and and and, and stuff. Um, when I was in 80, 85, 86, I was I went to boarding school in Nigeria, and it, it was hard being oh. eleven years old to have to be sent to boarding school by your parents. But the oh, one wow. song that would always remind me of the not the happiness was "Rhythm of the Night." Um, because yeah. it, it came out around that time, and and I always remember being in in, in boarding school, and we'll have a little kids dance, and that song just had so much energy, so much joy around it. And I tell people that when I talk about music, in especially in the '80s, I was living in Nigeria. So when a song crosses from the U- U.S. and goes into Africa, and, and this was pre-internet and stuff, so it must have been a massive hit for it to be embrace in another continent in Africa, mm-hmm. especially in Nigeria. Did you guys, did you realize the success, the global reach of the song? Because I, you know, in America, it's quite easy to know, you see your billboard charts, but to know it's reaching people in, in, th- in other countries. Did you realize? I had no idea the, the massive uh, outreach that we had, that the barge had. And the reason why we had no idea was because Motown didn't want us to know. Because they were under the uh, belief that when you let an artist know how great they are, how well they received, uh, you can't control them. And Motown was all about controlling a person. if we sold a million albums, they only let us know that we sold 250,000. Wow. We sold, if we sold 2 million, you only sold a million. If we had, if we could fill up a stadium, you can only fill up an arena. That's how they were. So we didn't know. We didn't know how big we were in the UK. We didn't know how big we were in Nigeria. Globally, we, we didn't know. And um, we didn't have the knowledge. See, we didn't have internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what, yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
I mean, and who's going to break their neck and try to find and search that? I mean, it was the Gavin report and different things that you could, but we, you know, we were barely learning about that. So yeah. they were able to do that all. But now they can't do it now, though. No. Do you, <laughs> think, it, do you think it was the success of Michael Jackson that said, well, we can't let that slip away? I, I don't know because, you know, he, uh, it just seemed like his, 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 he became so big that he, and knowledgeable about the business that he's, I don't know if that was. Well, you know, but the reason why he became big like that was because he had the opportunity to get away from Motown. And that's when he discovered, wow, all of this, I didn't know because they didn't want me to know. Mm-hmm. You know, basically it in a nutshell. And, uh, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't meet Marvin Gaye. I didn't meet uh, anybody that Motown didn't want me to meet. Couldn't meet him. Uh, we lucked up and, and met Marvin Gaye. And then we were never allowed to see him again after that. Wow. That's the kind of, con- that's the way they would control. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I wrote all this love. I wrote all this love for Marvin Gaye. And, um, for him to sing. I wanted him to sing. And they never, they said, he said, well, we, we showed it to Marvin, and um, he didn't like it. <laughs> wow. And when I met Marvin, he told me that wasn't true. Even his, even his wife at the time, Jan, Jan, she said, are you kidding me? She said, we used to sit and listen to that song day and night. And Marvin used to sit down and listen, listen to the parts that sounded like him. And he used to say, I'm going to get that boy trying to sound like me. <laughs> I was like, I was, I was so fascinated with that when she told me that. I was like, really, really? You know, like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but I never knew because we, we never knew. Wow. So they told us. Did, did you ever get a chance to sing with, say, Michael? Did I ever get a chance to sing with Michael, Michael Jackson? To sing with him? Yeah. No, I never had a chance to sing with him. Uh, never did. No. What about Stevie? Because being the same record label. Yeah, Stevie, Stevie and I used to be in the studio all the time. And um, Stevie and I, we, we cool to this day. Uh, Stevie was known for just coming by your studio session and just being there. <laughs> he just pop up there. He's not playing the piano, singing with you. He, Stevie, that's how he is. He just, <laughs> you know Stevie is to love Stevie. Yeah. <laughs> What what about the other great songwriter, uh, Smokey? Yeah, Smokey. He's uh, yeah, we did Smokey. Um, he um produced a couple of vocal sessions with us in, in the studio. We yeah had the honor and the privilege to uh to be under Smokey's tutelage uh-huh. for for a brief moment. It was great. Uh-huh. He's, he's he's just Smokey just. Well, if there ever was a, a person that was born to write songs it would have mm. to be him <laughs> you know and then he like that he could sing them too and <laughs> what's been your favorite um, who's sang the favorite cover of all this love because i know a lot of people have i have one person in mind but from your point of view who has done a version of it and recorded a version of it that you've really said wow this is really good mm. 
I really don't know her name. It's a, fe- a female saying it. Re- recently, I heard it. Oh, recently, okay. And the producer is a, a guy named, he calls himself Groove Funkel. Have you ever heard of him? No. Hey, you check it out when you can go Groove, yeah. like Groove Funkel. F-U-N-K-E-L. Funkel. And he's got a version of All This Love where he has a girl singing it. To me, she sounds great. Wow. I I, I I can't remember her name, but yeah, it's a for Groove Funk with all the yeah. stuff. He sounds great, man. And Patty Labelle, I love. Yeah, I, was go- I was I was gonna say Patty because yeah. I'm a massive Teddy yeah, Riley fan, yeah. and 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 um, um, I saw when yeah, yeah when Teddy did a good job on that. I thought Teddy did such a great job on that. Teddy Riley did a great job on that. I mean, he just he just did. He he's got a, a touch, man. It's it's just Teddy, and you know and. You can't touch like you can't touch that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever worked with Teddy? And Patty was, Patty was able to be Patty, and yeah, and it stood out as Patty, yeah. and, it, and, it's, and it was still all this love. Yeah, uh, uh, the producer this was Teddy Riley. I think he did a great job. Yeah. Have you ever worked? Have you ever worked with Teddy? Oh yeah, with the, um, the after the dance song that we did with Foreplay. We foreplay. Uh, that was their first single ever. The group foreplay was after the dance. The first single, and Patty and I sang on that. Oh, wow! After the dance by foreplay. Yeah. You you know, in the nineties, one of the biggest songs that you guys you did you were involved with. Well, there's two that I can remember. The first was Secret Garden. Um, mm-hmm. yourself, Al, uh, James Ingram, <laughs> and Barry White, and um, yeah. Did you realize? I mean, as I said, I was still in Nigeria when I came out, so that's another big global hit. But what was it like just having the? We don't get a lot of those anymore. But what was it like when Quincy sort of gave you the idea about this is what we want you to be part of? Um, he had the music written already, but it was very. Uh, it w- it wasn't a whole lot of the music he had written. Um, not at least not yet, but it was enough to write words and the melody too. So he, well, Quincy Jones, myself, and Saida Garrett, we did an all-nighter <laughs> at uh-huh. Rod Templeton's house. We were there and we were just writing. And, no, I don't like that. Let's try that. Okay, well, what about this? No, oh, okay, I like that, but I don't like that. <laughs> Quincy's very uh, particular about what he wants. So we were we're writing and then we say, Quincy, how do you like this verse? And it just went on all night like that. And the sun came up and we were still doing it. And so finally we got finally we got the song just like we wanted it. Verse this verse to background. So I said, Okay, finally, now I need to go and go to bed. Now he said, He said, No, nah, we're going to the studio. <laughs> Whoa. Quincy said, No, nah, we're going to the studio, son. We're gonna record this right now. Wow. I said, You kidding me, right? He was not kidding. We went straight to the studio and we recorded it. And uh, I sang and um, uh, James Ingram sang his part. I'll be sure sang his part. And Barry White came in last. He sang his part. But I remember I was so tired. I was like, everybody's going to sing and they're going to sound good except me. I'm tired. <laughs> 
So I told Quincy, I said, Quincy, let me just warm up and uh, see, you know, at least give me a chance to warm up. Please. You know what I mean? <laughs> at least can I at least get that, you know? <laughs> so he said, he said, yeah. He said, you he said, just warm up in the mic. <laughs> wow. So I did. I was warm. I was warm up in the mic. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, I felt like I felt like I could do it. Then I said, wow. So you know, I was like, thank you, God, for giving me the strength. You know, thank you, Quincy, for letting me warm up. He said, "You welcome." He said, "Come on in." He controlled me, so I went in. I said, "Yeah." I said, "Thanks, man." He said, "He said, all right, you can go home now." I said, "Huh?" <laughs> he said, "You finished?" I said, "I just warmed up." He said, "No, that's great, baby." <laughs> Whoa! I was so scared. I was so scared for months. I was like, "That's gonna sound terrible." That was just my warm up. I've always been so critical like that. Okay. But, I mean, I should have known if Quincy said it was good, mm. then it was good. Yeah. You know, he's not, I mean, this is Quincy Jones. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, duh. But, <laughs> you know, that's just me being a perfectionist. Yeah. But, yeah, so that was my warm-up. That's, that's my warm-up. Wow. you guys here. And Goodness. I was, and I was scared because I was the only one that didn't like it. <laughs> But then yeah. afterwards, you the success and and then your performance on Soul Train. Yeah, that was live. That was live. It's, um, we were we, we were we were. In, I was in white, right? I think yeah. were we all in white? Or no, in white? no, bl- um, black. I think I think it was black. I had on white, didn't I? No, I was it black? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barry White, yeah, we all went out, oh, yes. James, you all black, white, white, like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, where you were white was Albi, um, um, Arsenio's show. I remember you did white, where white, white, oh, when Arsenio's stuff. Um, but yeah. Um, but again, I'm, I'm allowed to get mixed up every now and then. Yeah, right? no, no, it's, it's no, it's just a lot. I mean, as a fan, we watch it and then we stuff. Then the other thing you did, Jason's lyric. Um, you hope, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What? yeah, I was just asking about, um, Black Man United, you would know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kevin Campbell starts out, I was a young boy. <laughs> I remember Kevin, uh, um, he was standing next to me, right? <laughs> and his voice was so powerful. A lot of people don't know, Kevin has a very powerful voice. And um, and he yelled, he yelled out something while he was singing. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah, we all look at you, looking at him like... <laughs> Oh, you can see you notice that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. 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 We all we all like look at Elvis staring at. Okay. <laughs> because because it was real loud. <laughs> like whoa. <laughs> but did you oh, realize? I love Kevin, man. He he's so talented. Yeah. Did you realize though the song, how the the impact it did have when you got invited to 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 take part in in that ensemble? Because we've not had anything since that has come close. Yeah, and to this day, people really like that. That was a great, a great idea from um, Brian McKnight and D'Angelo mm. had uh, written that song and brought it together. And uh, I think it was a great idea. We should, we, we need to do something like that again. You know, the more we can unite, yeah. as many times as we can get together and unite, it, it just helps. It just helps in so many ways. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
recently we saw you um, on DJ Cassidy's Pastor Mike. Um, it was you know before it, it was such a phenomenon and stuff, but you, we, we saw you take part in that. And did you realize the impact what Cassidy had, had kind of created and, and the global reach it, it, it had when you joined? Um, I didn't realize to the degree that I know now. Uh, the world is hungry for passion, to be able to express the passion and receive the passion. Uh, people want to love and be loved. Mm -hmm. And music uh, brings so many of us together. That's what uh, DJ Cassidy, that's what he had in mind when he created Pastor Mike, the whole concept, the whole idea. And he loves it. You, I mean, if you notice, he's just so excited about it when he does it. <laughs> so it, you can tell it's really coming from his heart. It's not just an idea to him, but he, he feels it. He lives it. And he, he gets so excited when he sees that, that people are being fed by it. I mean, you know, it, he really loves it. It's genuine. Yeah. You were recently with him um Pegasus um, World Cup. Pegasus, yes. Yes, I enjoyed that so much. That was great, <laughs> man. Being stage with Ja Rule. Ja Rule. Little I Kim. Call him King ja Rule. <laughs> Little Kim Queen, the Queen D. Yeah. And and um and May and uh, Mace. Mace. Yeah. And uh man and, uh, um Little Caesar. Oh man, it was just so <laughs> it was great. <laughs> it was great. And then because you, we had never been in space together before, all of us together, uh, that was our first time. Obviously, yeah, it was great. I'll never yeah. forget it. <laughs> and but then just you know recently, just two days ago, um, you you did your tiny tiny desk performance. Um, yeah. A, another real, you know, and and then you know, because you still you've you've almost gone. Not almost gone back, but you you tend to continue to sing almost as if there's no one around, and it's just yourself, your keyboard, and and, and your God. Um, what was that experience like? In that sort of, it just felt like a small cupboard, and you just said, you know, forget everything around me. I'm just gonna just sing. Yeah, you said that's it. Just forget everything around me. Just sing. Uh, sing to the maker of man and the creator of music. Sing to him uh, the music that you love, music that you all love. Uh, you, you can hear it and feel it and experience it because of the creator of music. And to be able to sit at the piano and just sing and play be in his presence it's just i'm almost there now let me stop it it's great man it's great because uh there's healing in that moment for me and um i believe that people can see that sometimes when i'm seeing and i want i want you to know what it is that you're seeing you're seeing moments with God, with me and God. You're seeing a man um, who is grateful in, of, and from his heart and who's expressing his love not only to God, but to you. 
for you, for everybody out there, for being a man of God and a vessel of love. That's what I'm here for. And it's it's always going to happen. I'm always going to be a vessel through which God's love can flow because that's why he created me. So with that, what 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 can we expect to see from El Debarge 2022? Well, 2022, I will be releasing songs oh. <laughs> in the month of in the month of April. Wow, will be the start of the release. And um, yeah, I just um, I just inked in. A, uh, a deal with I can't say who yet, but uh, you'll know when I'm at liberty to say it. I'm going. It's going to be a big announcement. It's going to be, uh, but I just inked in a deal with a major, major company, and uh, so we we're, we're back at it again. Here wow. we go. <laughs> wow. Here we go. And we're doing it. We're doing it for the love of you and for the love of God and for peace all around the world. To heal, bring together unity, because that's what we believe in. We we want unity, we want love, we want peace. Away with all of this darkness, man! Is yeah. nobody wants that. Mm-hmm. We want love, right? We want light, right? We're, we're children of the light. Yeah. And that's so. I'm mm-hmm. as long as I'm here on this earth, uh, you're gonna have that because I'm gonna represent it, and that's my word. Oh, that's good. So we should expect it around April. Yeah. And then so the mayor is it's it's like a rocket. We out there then we go. <laughs> oh yeah, you're gonna be doing some a lot lots of tours and Oh yeah, we're gonna be doing tours, appearances. Um yeah, I'm coming to see you. I'm coming Europe, United States, everywhere. We're wow. coming, you're gonna see me. I'm gonna be there and I want you I want you all to be there. And let's let's shake hands, let's create this pandemic. Something's gotta give. Yeah. And, and, Till then, we'll be wearing masks. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely. I mean, that's. I think the fans would be, would be excited to hear that we're going to get some new music from you because we haven't heard new stuff for, for yep. such a long time. So we definitely appreciate that. I always end my interviews by asking my guests that if you were stuck in an elevator and you had to pick a, a movie to watch while they get you out, what movie do you would you request to watch? Ten Commandments. Is it the Charleston that's Heston one? That's the- Bethel B. the Mills. Okay. The Ten Commandments. With yes, and Heston yes, and yes, okay. That, that, that's a powerful mm-hmm. one. That's a powerful one. <laughs> and then what's your all-time favorite song? Not 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 one that you've written, but just by any artist that you just that you just say, well, this if I could, yeah, favorite song. Um well, see. Yeah, I gotta pick one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Since I since I have to pick one, my all-time favorite song. I have to pick one, then I'm going to pick one that I like that, that sends me there to that energetic space and that happy vibe. Ain't no stopping us now. Like Fred and Whitehead. Oh, okay. Wow. What's about that? Because I interviewed his son, Kenny Whitehead, but what, what's about, what's, what, what lifts you up about this song? Well, first of all, I only have to pick one. Uh, that's not the question. Yeah, yeah. And okay. Um, Okay, so, but the words, I mean, I know you've been around someone that has negative vibes, asking where they're going, they don't know. 
Uh, but I'm not going to let nothing bring me down. Uh, I got myself together and I'm polishing up my act. And if you've ever been let down before, I know you refuse to be held down anymore. Don't you let nothing stand in your way. Nothing. Wow. I want y'all to listen to every word I say. Ain't no stopping us now. <laughs> See, the thing is, we That's hear the like song, it. but we don't we don't hear the lyrics like 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 that. And 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 when you listen to the lyrics, it's like wow. That's a that's a that's a testament. That's a statement. That's a inspiration. Well, you know, most of us just listen to the music and dance and, and not really pay attention to what's being said. Yep, because he said you have negative vibes. People do this, they do that. But he just made up in his mind. You know what? Ain't no stopping me now. It just ain't gonna happen because I'm not gonna let it happen. Wow, that's fine. No, that's that is a problem. But you, and your song that you've written. What's your favorite of all the songs you've written? Um, stay with me and all this love. And time to review on Love Me Especially. No. That's not fair, man. You like everybody somebody to pick between their own kids. <laughs> no, but so if 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 the okay Grammys, okay the I'm not told you stay today. with me stay with me stay with me stay with me stay with me bar none bar none stay with me wow. Because you sing all this love all the, yeah. most of the time and 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 and, and load it through, but yeah, I'm just saying if if the if the Grammys called you up and says, "Come on, Al, we want to honor you today. Here's one song you can perform live. If we stay with me, stay with me. Yes, <laughs> and I would milk it. I would milk it. It would go on forever. <laughs> I would do. I would do extra parts. I would break it down and build it back up, and, and I'd do this and I take the part. I would put it. I would milk it. It was going for like about 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'd have an orchestra breakdown with, with nothing but the string. And then I'd come back with the vocals. <laughs> and then I'd bring, I'd bring somebody in the beat. i bring somebody in the beat. Biggie's part. <laughs> oh, goodness. You, yeah, you know, you've really blessed us um, today. Um, I know it's timing. You know, we kind of squeezed a lot of the time from you. But as it's been really inspirational hearing your story and hearing your truth as, as well and 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 that's what our, our audience love about these interviews is that we, we we touch on the music but we really want to know the person behind the music and and you've really given us a side of you that you know we we, we haven't really seen and which is really powerful so i appreciate the time thank that you. you've given us thank you so much I appreciate your time too thank you very much i'm coming at y'all <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Yes, I appreciate it. Thanks for watching. Please remember to subscribe to the channel, but most importantly, to press the notification bell so that you can be notified when we do have a new interview. Loads to come, but thanks a lot for watching.